The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 108 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Hey, please follow the show on social media. We are on Facebook and Twitter. It's just the Sample Chapter Podcast. You can find us very easy in there. Uh, We're also on YouTube. And of course, if you'd like to reach out, my email is samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, I want to give a special shout out To all you listeners in Argentina and Uganda, they are new countries to the show, and they have been just downloading quite a bit here lately, so thank you so much to uh, the people in that country, the the wonderful listeners. I really appreciate everything that you're doing, and hopefully you're finding some novels and um, authors that you enjoy, and if you find one that you like, don't forget to leave a review for that author. But then back here in the States, the show is downloaded in every state, which is very nice here here in the U.S. But much to my surprise, California is my most downloaded state. Like, by a wide margin. It's really surprising. Uh, you know, followed by Oregon and then Missouri, my home state here. Uh, they are in third place. So I'm not sure what's going on with uh, my listeners here in Missouri. You know, come on, we got to bump it up quite a bit but uh still at the same time i think that's really really cool that uh the show is is uh got a following in california and if you're listening to the show right now and you live in california give me a shout out let me know who you are and where you're listening and i will shout out back to you on the very next episode so hit me up let me hear where you're from i'm looking forward to it in personal news I had writing club the other night and that went really really well always have a lot of fun there. I took a chapter from uh, what will be my third book, The Bandit Chronicles. I took that with me to show and and read to everybody to see what they thought. And, uh, you know, I had a really good reception. Thankfully, there's no big changes necessary. Um, But what's cool, and and the whole reason behind this group is somebody caught something that they pointed out. It it wasn't something that I overlooked per se. I kind of caught on to it too when I was reading it that I'd, I had hadn't noticed it before but yeah somebody mentioned it and then we talked about this scene and uh, kind of fleshed out an idea and then in talking with them realized that uh, yeah the next chapter I'm gonna need to bump up the action a little bit as for my second novel which is novel idea is the goal right now is to have the pre-order up by March 20th of this month and I will be sure to let you know as soon as that pre-order is available. The release date that I'm shooting for is April 1st. And the reason I haven't set that yet and announced it yet is because I'm still <laughs> still finishing up a couple of chapters of, of edits on chapters that I want to get done before I do that. Because this will be my first ever pre-order. And I don't want to mess that up. I know if you mess that up on Amazon and you miss your pre-order date, then they ban you from doing it for the next year, which, you know, I mean, I guess it's not the end of the world. But still, I, I want to do it right the first time. But the other reason I'm looking at March 20th is because that weekend is Planet Comic Con. And I would like to have 
some cards made up to hand out and let people know that, yeah, this book is uh, going to be available April 1st. Here you go. You can go and pre-order it right now so that way you don't miss out. Yeah, you know, I'd kind of like to hand out quite a few if I can, but we'll see how that goes um, and whether or not I make the time to do that. But again, Planet Comic Con, that is the weekend of the 20th through the 22nd. I will be there. I'm going to be there visiting and hanging out on the 21st myself. And then on the 22nd, I have one panel right now that I'll be doing on creator-owned content. Uh, it'll be me, Joey Mills of Pop Goes the Culture Network, and the hosts of the Bungalow Podcast. Uh, and that's Bungalow with two N's, like, you know, bun. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to meeting them. I've checked out their podcast, listened to a couple episodes, and they're a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to that and uh, taking notes right now on the on the panel and what to talk about some things to do and and uh, i think i think for the most part it's going to be a q a session people asking us so we'll see what happens but uh, i want to make sure and have some material prepared so that uh, we can we'll be able to talk about things and fill the silence in case there's a lot of crickets <laughs> well speaking of pop goes to culture i want to say thank you again to Joey Mills and the network over there at Pop Goes to Culture. We are a part of that, along with several other wonderful shows. Most of them are all pop culture related in some manner, but at their website, popgoesculture.com, you can also check out tons of blogs and movie and book reviews, game reviews, reviews for all kinds of things, but it's all pop culture related and all very, very cool. So, don't forget to click that link in the show notes so that you can find out more about that. And, of course, our other network, Project Entertainment. You heard the uh, little bumper at the beginning of the show. And we are now a part of that network, Project Entertainment Network. Uh, it's a lot of cool guys, and I believe they are now back up over 20 different shows again. And those shows are, I believe most of them are author-related in some way. I know not all of the shows are about writing, but uh, a good number of them are, and, and it's uh, lots of cool stuff. I, I listen to probably more than half of the shows on Project Entertainment, uh, at the very least. And I, I know I've listened to, tuned in to at least two-thirds, maybe three-fourths of these shows there. But yeah, with Project Entertainment, there's tons of great shows, uh, just like this one. It's on! It's Bazaar, the Bizarre and Weird Fiction Podcast. Hosted by me, Mr. Frank. Bazong is the showcase podcast of the bizarro fiction genre. And those who write weird and read weird are going to love this podcast, where each week we talk to everyone who is anyone in the Bizarre and Weird Fiction realm. So join us here every Monday, presented exclusively by Project Entertainment Network. While I'm giving thanks, I want to make sure and thank Scrivener, my favorite writing software. I use Scrivener every day. I'm using it on all of my books now. Going forward, it's so awesome to have a chapter breakdown on the left-hand pane. Uh, also, <laughs> what's been very handy to have, especially when writing a series, is my character breakdown. So that I can remember what character is what, and what's the name of this alien or that alien race, and where are they from. 
you know, all that is right there in your left hand pane. No more scrolling or going through notebooks of notes and trying to find out where something is. It's right there. Make a mistake on a chapter or you realize you need to move a chapter. It's as easy as drag and drop. I love Scrivener. I know you're going to love it too. Stay tuned for a commercial from them and find out how you can save 20% on the regular desktop version. And of course, my favorite self-storage facility right here in Warrensburg, U-Store-All. With two facilities, both of them fully fenced in and gated, you'll have your own private gate code, well lit all night long with LED lighting, climate control, non-climate control, more than 60 cameras recording 24 hours a day, and both facilities are run off of solar power, so it's not only green, but very clean. You know, LED, it's nice clean light. <laughs> but the facilities themselves are extremely clean. It's one of the biggest compliments that they get is how clean the place is, along with how nice the managers are and how well people are taken care of. So check them out online at ustoreall.net for more information. That is spelled the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. Well, this week's guest is none other than the wild and wacky Frank Edler. Hey, you heard his commercial a while ago for his podcast, Bizong, and it's a great show, and Frank is a previous guest, and I just, I loved having him back on here. We had a fantastic chat. Yeah, you know, he's one of those guys that we get to talking, and next thing you know, it's been an hour and a half, and it, it was a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun talking to Frank. I love the way his brain works. You know, his, and his, his whole uh, matter-of-fact attitude when it comes to the subject matter of what he's writing. You know, whether he's talking about a man-eating brain, or zombie bankers, <laughs> or a cat as currency. It's just very matter-of-fact the way he's talking about it. Like, oh yeah, these, you know, zombie bankers walking around and talking about... <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't even do it. You'll have to listen because he does a great zombie banker. <laughs> it's just, it's too funny. Uh, we are talking about his latest book. Came out uh, a week ago today, actually. Cat Coin. And you're going to hear a fantastic sample chapter. So stay tuned for that right after a word from our sponsor. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener writing software, built by writers for writers. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to a wild and wacky episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, uh, this week we are, once again... Going back, checking up with some past authors, I've got a great guest joining us today. 
His mother was an alien, his father was a lamppost, fed a steady dose of soap bars as a child in punishment for his foul mouth and incessant pranks. Little did anyone know the soap only made him stronger, faster, more agile. I'm talking about the one and only Frank Edler. Frank, welcome back to the show, my friend. Jason, it is a pleasure to finally join you once again. Once again, yes. This is so much fun. I had a great time with you last time talking about, uh, oh man, I didn't look that one up. What did we talk about last time? I, I was uh, pitching Scatterbrain at the time. Scatterbrain. The time. Yes, that's right. And I, good grief, I should know that because I went in there and read it. <laughs> you did. Unfortunately, liked it too, which is a bonus. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was my first uh, trip down the Bizarro. And uh, it was uh, one that I'm looking forward to uh, traveling some more. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> How have you been, man? It's been a little while. It was uh, October of 2018 when we did this last. Yeah, I've, I've been well, and I, I've been working in that time on, on this new book that I've, I'm finally getting out now. Uh, it was a, a struggle writing-wise. I had a kind of rough year writing in 2019, uh, and, and this new book, CatCoin, it took up far too much of my time, and uh, it was a struggle for a, a number of reasons. But I've seen it through, and uh, 2020, it's it's seeing the light of day now. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you say it was light, but I mean, you still you had Middletown 4, Beers and Fears, Breaking Bizarro, and now, of course, today's book, Catcoin. I mean, that that's a pretty good, uh, pretty nice haul there for, for somebody that doesn't write so much, as you say. <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess so. And a lot of those things, like, like Middletown 4 and the Beers and Fears, they were... They served as sort of distractions because I was writing. I wrote CatCoin. I started it out. I think I got about 10,000 words through it and realized I was writing the story all wrong and, and all but scrapped just about every one of those 10,000 words and started over. And then um, the beers and fears thing came up. So I was like, all right, let me do this and, and focus on this now and put this CatCoin away and, and uh, you know, got through that. And then got back to CatCoin, and it was getting frustrated by CatCoin. And then the Middletown uh, project came up. I was able to write for that and, and <laughs> kind of put CatCoin aside. You know, I kept using it as distractions away from CatCoin because CatCoin, uh, as far as my work goes, is, is a big departure from what I usually write, those crazy, uh, funny, horror monster stories. CatCoin is, is something I've been... Hey, I struggle to even define it. The best I can tell you is that it's an action adventure, maybe techno thriller, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's got the funny too. Like that's the only thread that 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 kind of keeps it still uh, my brand. Um, but it's not like horror monsters and, and anything like that. And so while I was writing it the whole time, I kept second guessing myself. I'm like, what am I? What am I doing? What am I writing? And the and the concept for Catcoin is, I mean, the simple pitch for it is it's the story of Bitcoin but with cats. Um, because I got really, really into, uh, learning and, and the concept of Bitcoin and, and, and learning the history of it. And, and this, it's just this brand new, exciting thing to me. And, and I, I got to the point where I was so into it, following the markets and, and reading all the stories and figuring out how to invest in it and mine it and all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, I want, I, I want to read fiction about this. So I, I took to, Kindle and I'm looking for, you know, cryptocurrency or, or Bitcoin fiction. And really nothing came up. There were a couple of books that I found, but they were the, 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 uh, the Bitcoin aspect of it was secondary to the true plot of it. You know, the plot was something else and the, and the Bitcoin was like a, a, a means to an end. Mm -hmm. 
So there wasn't a the book out there that I wanted to read, which was like actual cryptocurrency fiction. And I said, shit, they always say you got to write the book you want to read. And the book I wanted to read didn't exist. And so I that's that's what started me on this path to write Catcoin. Uh, but it's so different. And, and since there's nothing else out there really for me to to, to compare it to, uh, it was a, it was a task. Uh, trying to write it and lots and lots of second guessing lots of what am I doing am I doing the right thing am I wasting my time on this and and, and pushing myself through it the whole way there so it was a, it was a long slow process plus of course there was a lot of research going into it it's not you know the most technical thing I didn't want it to be technical but I still wanted to have things sort of right so I didn't get called out on it too much if, if anybody did know about yeah, yeah. It. enough facts to make it believable yeah, correct. Very correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that I still have a lot of respect with the idea that you started the book, you wrote, you know, 10,000 words or so in it, and then stopped because you knew something wasn't right, took a break from it, and then came back to it later, picked it back up. And did you, like, read through that and find the things that were working, or did you have a new idea and figured out, okay, this is the direction it needs to go instead? It was it was uh, the point of view I was writing it. It was the, the sort of concepts I had come up with. Like it's just not gonna. There's no story there for me to tell. Mm. Sort of a thing, you know. That I like. I, I have no story here. I'm being too because it's a, a factually based thing. Mm-hmm. It just kind of became this really boring, just matter of fact statements of of fact. And there was no like story. There was nothing salacious or tempting about it. Uh, to make any, a reader interested to pull them through, I said, I gotta, I gotta get rid of this stuff. So, you know, I kept the concept about it and so the cat I sort of initially created. And it even started out, I believe, in like a, a first person point of view and, and went on to a more third person type of narrative, uh, in general. The narrative goes a little bit back and forth when it's from the cats. It, the cat coin falls around the first cat coin that became a cat coin became money. Um, and the cat's name is one. So when one is, is talking, there's an, a first person point of view. And then all the other parts of the stories, other chapters uh, where we step away from one, then it goes into a, a third person narrative. So I played with that a little bit uh, and I still hope to this day that that, that works out. But uh, all my editors and everything have said, uh, it's just fine. So, <laughs> well, I've been hearing a lot about it and, of course, by the time this episode comes out, it will have already dropped. Uh, it comes out February 28th, so everybody, you know, make sure you go check this out. But it looks incredible, and I, I can't wait to come back to this. But let's go back to uh, Middletown 4, yeah, uh, the uh, Unrestful. you got a story in there along with several other previous guests, Chuck Buddha, Tim Meyer, Lucas Milliron, Armand, of course, and then several people I would love to get on there. How did this come about? Um. I got a, a message one day from Armand Rosamillion and said, uh, you need to write a story for this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it really kind of was that crazy. But um, the Middletown, um, the uh, anthology series, I guess is the best way to call it, is a, it's a zombie anthology series. that has been going on for some, some time now. And there's been a steady group of writers that have been involved with it from the, the first book on. And I think by the time they got to four – a lot of people, I guess, lost interest or didn't want to, you know, participate any longer. So there were a few slots that opened up, and um, the the author Jack Wallen is the one who puts it together. He he's the creator of the anthology series. So 
I guess he basically asked Armand if he knew anybody who, who might be interested. And um, I guess since Armand's my boss, as far as podcasting goes, he just said, you're, you're, you are going to do this. And, uh, and I did. But he could have asked me. He could not have demanded it from me. And I could have said, no, it's, I'm just joking around. Uh, <laughs> but I do, you know, as a rule so far, when somebody says there's this writing project do you want, like I just say yes and I, and I go after it as long as it's, pretty much, you know, has minimal requirements for me. Like I'm going to get paid, <laughs> uh, which was, which was, uh, you know, it was there. I'm getting paid for that. So, uh, I really had no problem with it. And it was kind of funny because it is a zombie apocalypse book. And I swore to myself, I would not write zombies any longer. And I'm like, Oh, of course it's zombies. So, um, I try to, I try to get as playful as I can. when I do that, my story in that just became an homage to, the drive-in. So, uh, I, I had a lot of fun with it that way and just made this, um, this Joe Lansdale homage, uh, his drive-in series and, 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 uh, got myself through it that way. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, and then, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to skip over beers and fears to breaking bizarro. Mm-hmm. How, how, what was your story in this one? Oh, that, that story is a story I've had uh, a long time. It's kind of just sitting around in the trunk waiting for a place to be published. I actually had um, somebody who wanted to take it. It was a, a magazine, a literary magazine, and, and they agreed to take it. But by the time that story would have showed up in that magazine, the magazine had gone defunct. So it was kind of back to me again. The story is called, oh, I don't have it in front of me. It's called Night of the Living Dead. Oh, man. I can't think of that. It's, it's a bastardization of a Night of the Living Dead. So it's like, day of the living alive or something like that and it's it's sort of a just a whole twist of instead of zombies come back to life uh in in the real world it's it's dead people that have come to life like in the afterlife and they're and i play with the whole concept of you know they always say you know you, you can't take your money with you well in the afterlife people have figured out how to get their money take their money with them and all these people are, are fighting over like goods and services and like the afterlife where it's supposed to be free of all these, these earthly desires are now <laughs> that we have these desires. Again, there's bankers running around. So they're saying brains are like, uh, reality investments, uh, and all this stuff. So it's just kind of a, a fun thing I wrote that, that twists. Oh uh, my gosh. I just looked it up. I can see why you had a hard time with it. Dawn of the Night of the Dying Alive. <laughs> Dawn of the Night of the Dying Alive. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that one around and, and when Breaking Bizarro, uh, you know, put out a call for an anthology, I'm like, this could be the place. Because that came out from Death's Head Press. Uh, who just started, they really started making waves last year, getting a lot of really good um, books out there by very good, uh, well-known authors. And one of the uh, co-owners of the press, Death's Head Press, He's into bizarro fiction, so he wanted to do a a bizarro fiction anthology, sort of a flagship anthology for his press, uh, because they don't want to be solely uh, just a horror press, you know, just kind of play around all those all the edges of, of what horror can be. So they wanted to do a bizarre bizarro uh, type anthology, and uh, I, I think it was a good match. And uh, I know a couple of reviews have actually pointed out my story in there as one of the the better ones, so it was kind of cool. That is cool. That is cool. Well, speaking of one of the better ones, it's one of my favorite here lately has been the Beers and Fears, the Haunted Brewery. 
with with you and Tim Meyer, Chuck Buddha, and of course Armand Rosamilia, the four of you got together, put collection of four stories, or I guess it's three stories with one wrap around it. It was awesome. I loved it, and uh, getting a copy in the mail with all of your all signatures was like a highlight of my my month at least. You know, maybe maybe the week. Yeah, it was it was good for the year. Um, <laughs> But that was great, and uh, getting to sit down and go through it, your story, have a drink on me, was, it's hard to say which one was the better of them, but they were all enjoyable. What a great idea. How how did this come up? (laughs) Um, Yeah, that book book was a a monster of a hit for all of us. It it did really well, and I'm glad you enjoyed that. Um, the, The idea for have a drink on me, uh, I, we knew we wanted to do the haunted brewery and it was kind of up to us there. And, um, so yeah, just like you said, the idea was sort of, um, to make, tell three stories about this, this brewery that used to be an insane asylum essentially and how it's been haunted. Uh, Tim's Tim Meyer was the, the one who originally came up with the concept for what we were going to do. So he was going to write these wraparound stories for each story so that it all kind of threads into one piece. So he came up with the, the concept of a reporter interviewing the owner of this bar and, and the owners sort of telling stories of the, the past. So uh, Chuck Buddha got this, the, the decade, the 70s. He had to tell a story about this, this bar from the 70s. I got the 80s and Armand got the 90s. So uh, I had to go in with the 80s. I had to think 80s stuff. We're going to have Rubik's Cube and, and, and big hair and all that type of stuff. And the music is going to be, you know, new wave and, and this sort of early 80s punk and stuff like that. Um, but I'm like, how do I do a haunted brewery? And I, I technically really didn't do a haunted brewery so much as a, a possessed by demons type of a brewery, which I think is close enough to the concept. Yeah. Uh, but the rub of it, I think the thing that kind of makes my story stand out a bit is because it's, it, it involves gymnastics. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that came about because, uh, I have a daughter who's, uh, she competes on, on a gymnastics team. She's a good, you know, traveling competitive team. And so a lot of my life is taken up by driving her to meets. Even, you know, she practices nine hours a week. So I'm driving her to and from practice several times a week. So, you know, Chuck and Armand and everything, they're always trying to get, (laughs) figure out my schedule and when can you do this and can you come right? And it's me, it's always seems like, especially this type time of year, I'm like, oh, I can't, I, I got gymnastics, you know, so they're always picking on me. Frank's got gymnastics. So my joke was I'm going to write a gymnastics horror for this book. <laughs> and, and that was basically uh, what I tried to execute, the world's first gymnastics horror story. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I was not expecting Mary Lou Retton uh, to be mm-hmm. mentioned in this. And, and just so many great references throughout. And <laughs> it was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So that, that was great. And then uh, you got back to work, pulled out – the uh, cat coin, and like I said, I've been hearing lots about it, hearing you talk about it, hearing other podcasts, uh, you know, friends of ours talking about it as well. And uh, like I said, by the time this episode comes out, it'll it'll already be here. So, what can people expect whenever they go to open this up? So I wanted to write cat coin as a way to help people understand Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies because. You know, it's it's not not an easy concept to to understand. You know, money that's not actually anything you can hold on to. And you know, I believe that we're going to be there one day 
using a cryptocurrency, whether it's Bitcoin or something else. You know, I think the world's just headed in that direction in general. So it's just sort of my, my love letter to, to cryptocurrency and, and helping the world understand it by, you know, helping people understand how, how nothing, the idea of nothing can, can be money. Uh, but I'm going to change that idea from nothing to cats to kind of help explain <laughs> it all. That, that's what I was going to ask. So it is like literal cats. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I love the way your brain works. This is this sounds exciting. <laughs> I had I had cats on the brain. There was a, a different story. I, I had in mind before I started, you know, writing CatCoin, I, I had a different sort of big work in mind. Um, that was a a genie story that involved cats, and I kind of started it, and it just wasn't quite working. And then this idea came in my head, so I needed something, you know, I needed to to make something have value. That kind of seems silly, you know, and and to have fun with. So I already had cats on the mind, and I I stuck with cats because. You know, with 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 uh, Bitcoin, you're quote unquote mining Bitcoin. You're just having your computer or your mining system, you know, solve problems, and you're awarded with these Bitcoins, which is it's nothing. It's just zeros and ones in the in the digital world, um, and and then you have these these Bitcoins. But I just, uh, and there's a, a finite amount of Bitcoin. Like that's kind of what gives it a value. Is like once once all these X amount of Bitcoin our mind, there's no more. It's not like dollars and, and pesos and, and francs and euros that you can just keep on printing until finish. There, there will come a day when there's just no more Bitcoin to mine. And that's really what gives it its value. So I'm like, what else, what else is there? Like a lot of, but really people can get to the end of it. And it's I'm like, well, cats, there's cats all over the place. Strays, everybody's talking about strays and everything. And, you know, but eventually if everybody picks up cats, there won't be any more strays and anybody left on the street. So it's sort of, worked in that way to to have something that can you know eventually we can have all the cats uh for ourselves and just call them money instead of cats oh my goodness that that's got me wondering like okay so i need to i sometimes i really hate my cat and i'm thinking like oh maybe i should get rid of it but then this makes me think well maybe <laughs> i need to breed it that way i'm prepared when the catopolis comes and, mm -hmm. and i'm rich i'll have yes. a lot of cats yeah, you'll have lots of cats. You'll be cat coin rich. Get them. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is awesome! All right, well, so what are you working on now, and what's uh, what's next for you? Well, I wanted to combat the what I called the disastrous year of writing last year. It wasn't really disastrous; just slow, slower than I'd like to have been. So I've I've buckled down, and I'm using it. You mentioned before listening to the the Mondo Method podcast, and they often talk about using the use spreadsheets to kind of track their writing or they'll even just put up a calendar and, and put a, a green circle on days they wrote and an X red X on circles uh, of days they, they didn't write and just have a visualization mm -hmm. of your progress in writing. So I'm like, I like, I like that idea that can, I need that sort of thing. So I went and searched out some, some word tracking uh, spreadsheets uh, on the internet and came up with one that looked pretty good. It was a, uh, one that was built to write for, you know, when you're writing during NaNoWriMo. Uh, so I like that. It's got a lot of color coding and stuff to, you know, you, you tell you how many words and the closer you are to your target, the, the more it turns green or if you're too 
too short, it turns yellow or red. So it's it's a nice visual, quick representation of where you are, and it keeps track of where you're at by the month. So I set out, I want to do 20,000 words a month. I think that's a, a, a manageable goal for me, 20,000 words a month. It gives me the weekends off, and you know I can write on the weekends and get there quicker, and uh, it's just not too breakneck. It's it's attainable for me. Wow. So I start, yeah, I started that in December, and uh, I was probably hit 20,000 like four or five days ahead of time. I went, okay, this will work, you know. So I carried that into my 2020 writing goals, and in January I surpassed 20,000 words. February. I had to switch gears. I, I wrote the new Beers and Fears 2 story. I just finished today as we were recording this. Uh, so that's complete. And I'm going back to the major thing I'm writing right now that I've been using this new method is a, a new uh, death book. I had Death Gets a Book out, one of my first releases, and uh, it felt like it was time to revisit death again. Now, it's not like Death 2 or anything like that because uh, Death Gets a Book is a standalone story. Uh, even the characters that are going to be in this new death book have nothing to do with the characters that were in the last one. And I kind of designed that world that way that I can keep going back to that world that I've created without actually, you know, making it a series or anything. I, I, I like the idea of having standalones. I'm not a series guy. I don't really read series. So I, I shy away from writing that stuff. Uh, so I've, I've kind of created a world where, where I can write about Grim Reapers left and right. They're just not the same Grim Reaper. Because in my world, there's more than one. There's many Grim Reapers. It's a whole world full of Grim Reapers. So uh, that's that's what I'm doing here. And it helped, I think, because I know that world. It made it easy to get into this new writing goal I have. And, and I'm spitting out words like crazy. And I should have – I mean, the book will be done by March. And uh, I'm hoping to have that out pretty much by June or July. Awesome, man. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love I love getting to connect with with you and so many other writers every Sunday, and and I'm gonna just take a moment and invite everybody out there listening. Sundays, a whole bunch of us on Twitter get together doing the Mondo method, which is writing as much as you can for 15 minutes at the top of each hour. Just write what you can, see what you can do, even if it's 100 words or 50 words, it's more than what you had before. And it's uh, just that that one day a week where somebody's going to hold you accountable and uh, you get some words done. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and if you, I mean, it takes such a minimal effort really to to do. Like you said, fifteen minutes sprints. You can do, you know, nobody adheres necessarily that fifteen minutes. I do fifteen minute sprints, um, and it works for me. You can do them at the top of the hour. You can do them, you know, when you feel like it's just kind of. Try some 15-minute sprints. Try 10 minutes. Try half-hour sprints. Whatever works for you. And I think you you'd be amazed at, at how much output you get out of it. I know I had years ago before before this Mondo method came about. I, I learned about the Pomodoro method, what they call. Uh, it's basically you know the old-fashioned tomato kitchen timers. Mm -hmm. uh, Pomodoro. And, you know, you, you're just sitting there, you do this, this could apply to anything in life. Like if you're, if you have to do the laundry, do chores, do at work, you can use it. You can apply it to anything, but it's, it's biting off your responsibilities in 15 minute chunks. And the idea is that you, you set the, the timer for 15 minutes and you go about your work. In this case, it will be writing and you write for 15 minutes and in the Pomodoro method, after the 15 minutes is up, you get a five-minute break, 
just to do whatever you want. When I write, I have a five minute break. I don't know, go check Facebook, go see what's going on in hashtag Mondo Method, uh, Twitter feed, stuff like that. The five minutes is up, do another 15 minutes, and, and you do that cycle in the Pomodoro Method. You're supposed to do it, I believe, four times. And then after four times, you get like a half hour break and, and continue on like that. So uh, basically the Mondo Method is a modification of that where Armand Rosamilia took that concept, but he wasn't interested in doing those back-to-back-to-back um, ro- re- lap, uh, what would you call them? Just rotations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what he did is at the top of the hour, just do 15 minutes. And then at the top of the next hour, do 15 minutes. So you got 15 minutes of working, 45 minute break, 15 minutes of working for a five minute break. Um, and as you go, I think the more and more, I know what I find is like my first 15 minute uh, writing sprint will be like three or 400 words. And then the second one I do, it'll be around five or 600 words. And then so so once I get into a rhythm on the day, I'm spitting out anywhere between like five and 700 words. And if you do that three or four times, you've got 2,000 plus words on the day for, I don't know, you do four 15-minute sprints and and you've got an hour. So it's it's pretty simple and you get more output than I think you realize when it's all said and done. So it's a, a fun thing to do. And yes, absolutely join us on Sundays. Uh, follow the hashtag Mondo Method. Yeah, absolutely. I I really love it. And I've found that it really recharges my my battery. I've actually started, I do my writing at the top of the hour and then I'll spend the next 45 minutes editing on a different story. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it, what's helped me with that is the two things keep feeding each other. And it's a nice little 45 minute break where I can go back to my editing it's great. I, I love it. And I just, I love having all the people on there that uh, are supporting each other with this. Yeah. It's nice to, you know, everybody's got each other's back. It's certainly not a competition of who can write the most words. It's just a, a support system where like, hey, all right, good on you. You did that much. And, and, you know, I always try to like say, Hey, I wrote this many words and here's what I'm working on. What are you working on? Just kind of share that, that, that kind of camaraderie amongst writers. Absolutely. Yep. Nice day morning, afternoon, whenever you do it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and I didn't mean to get us off on a tangent for the the Mondo method, but I I know you're always one in there, so I figured we'd we'd talk about that for a moment. Well, tell us, uh, before we get going here, tell us about uh, Bazong. How's that going, man, the Bazong podcast? How's it going? Bazong podcast, still chugging along, still doing the thing. Um, Maybe when we last spoke, uh, probably when we last spoke, it it was called Bazong, subtitled the Bizarre and Weird Fiction Podcast. I've since sort of modified that that moniker to the weird and wacky fiction podcast because as much as I love and enjoy Bizarro, you know, what I've come to find out about myself is I just don't really write Bizarro. Enjoy the heck out of the people who do write Bizarro and the stories of Bizarro. But I wanted to I've always wanted Bizarro to be my my writing school. So I you know, I'm I'm interviewing all these wonderful people, but I'm not learning more focused on, on what I write. So I'm like, I, I need to be talking more to uh, people that aren't necessarily bizarro. And I, you know, I kind of rebranded the podcast to weird and wacky to, to cover that. So I could say wacky and, and have funny writers like a Jeff strand on, which I did. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the podcast keeps chugging along. I, st- I still do have many, many uh, bizarre writers on, but I also have writers on of, of all kinds of ilk. I even have, you know, kind of straight horror writers on anymore. I almost don't necessarily even care because a lot of that 
that straight horror stuff. I mean, some of it is a little cuckoo crazy anyway. You got a writer like Tim Meyer who comes out with a story called Limbs uh, from Grindhouse <laughs> Press about a guy who had a, a thing for people without <laughs> without <laughs> yeah. legitimate fetish. So yeah. that's a little weird, and I think it still qualifies for my podcast. I think so. I think so. And and very much, I I think you experience very much like what I do that uh, having so many different kinds of authors on there it really helps inform my own writing and gives me a little bit of an education talking to somebody outside my realm. Yeah, I'm always I'm always looking for that little trick or, or, or technique that maybe somebody else does that I haven't even considered. Whether it be marketing, whether it be writing, and anything like that, you know, what what are you doing? That's not necessarily the Mondo method, but that keeps you keeps you riding, keeps the the wheels turning and the juices flowing. That's the type of stuff I'm I'm interested in. Are you are you doing something really crazy marketing wise? Like we do, everybody kind of digs our our beers and fears uh, brewery tour that we do, and and people are always saying, yeah, I want to try that. So you know, what are you what are you doing? Are you going to like you know ice cream shops and, and selling books and you know, what are those those extra little things everybody else is doing out there and, and learn that way? Yep, absolutely, man. And what day does uh, Bazong come out? Bazong comes out on Mondays, just about every Mondays. Fantastic. All right. Where uh, where can people find and follow you? Uh, they can follow me. I'm out there on the Facebook, uh, Frank J. Edler. I'm on Twitter, at NJ Metal. It's a little different, but you can find me at NJ Metal. I'm on Instagram, um, and well, those are the those are the most important ones. And I mean, a Google search of Frank Edler will will get you where you need to go if you're looking for me. Fantastic. All right, and of course, everybody, we are going to have the links for all this in the show notes, along with the Bizong podcast and uh, all the social media. So make sure you click the links in the show notes to follow along. Hey, Frank, man, I appreciate, uh, in spite of all the technical difficulties we've been having in the background, hopefully nobody will know the uh, the better of it, nobody will be the wiser, but uh, we'll see what uh, we can do. And I appreciate you coming back on here, my friend. And I, I appreciate, uh, before we get into it, I do, I do appreciate you doing the show. It's a very valuable show to writers and readers alike, which is a bonus. And I do got to say, I know you, you mentioned technical issues, but I know you do your due diligence, you make all those People reading their sample chapters just sound like gold, and I'm sure this episode will be no different, and nobody will know what you're talking about when it comes to technical issues. <laughs> you are too kind, my friend. Too kind. I'm, a, I'm a podcaster, and I, under, I understand and appreciate the uh, level of dedication going into cleaning up a podcast <laughs> and it out just right, free of all those glitches. Yeah, there are some days longer than others, but uh, it's all worth it. I, I have a blast doing this. So thank you for saying so, man. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to step aside, grab a drink and a cigar, and listen to the one and only Frank Edler with his latest book, Cat Coin. Chapter One. One. My name is One. That's it. Just One. It's my name. It's also my number. I'm a cat. I'm currency. I'm money. I am catcoin. Catcoin is the new money. Dollars are gone. Euros are dead. Adios to pesos. The world has gone feline, baby. You can buy anything with catcoin. Bread, milk, eggs, solicited sexual services, politicians, and college educations. All of it 
bought and paid for with Catcoin all over the world. I'm the first Catcoin. That's why he named me one. He being Katoshi Nakamoto, the inventor of the concept of Catcoin. I'm not sure what number we're up to now, but eventually it will stop. Catcoin is finite. That's what makes the whole feline currency, or philo currency for all the hep cats, work. Without a cap on the number of cat coins available to the world, a cat would never retain any value. Once an adorable little kitty, such as myself, retains value, it becomes a cat coin. The economics of it are simple. The execution is a little more involved. The nuances spin away from my level of comprehension, but fortunately for me, I don't have to understand it. All I need to do is go with the flow. So life is pretty easy for me. Eat, sleep, shit, repeat. Until I'm exchanges currency for goods, then it's on to the next adventure. Truth be told, my life before becoming a cat coin wasn't that different. Eat, shit, sleep, repeat. Only difference was I was tied down to a single place. Nobody shuffled me around the globe like they do now. I'm good either way. All the travel doesn't bother me. I do miss my roots from time to time. I started out in Rome, the one in Italy. The food was really good there. The smells of the city were quite unique. People everywhere. Mice everywhere. Oh, and did I mention the food was out of this world? Not just the food, but the wine. Oh, the wine. Even a cat could not enjoy a simple meal in Rome without a glass of wine to compliment. I prefer red myself. Very dry. Desert dry. I'm not into pairing Vince with proteins. If I'm eating steak, pork, fish, or dairy, give me dry, dry red wine. Or a slurp. Or a lick off the pavement as it runs out through the crack in an old garbage can. Look, I don't have a problem, okay? I just really like wine. The bitch of it is, though, is in my pristine white fur. It's now stained a permanent shade of Merlot around my mouth and whiskers. No matter. A small price to pay for that dry, earthy goodness with just a hint of currants on the end. If I had opposable thumbs, I would have become a sommelier instead of money. I'm aware of which years have superb vents. I know the best regions to source Sauvignon. I understand which altitudes are optimal for the most robust Chiantis. I know wine. I know wine and I know where to get wine. All I have to do is hang out back of Rome's finest restaurants. That lady in the Tramp movie knew what it was talking about. All the cool cats know the back door is where it's at when it comes to sourcing the finest wine. The patrons leave half-empty glasses on the tables all the time. They don't want to come off as uncouth heathens. The kitchen staff never pour good wine down the drain. That would be sacrilege. They pour it in bowls and place it out back for the gatti. That's Italian for cat, you uncultured porco. The day I became a cat coin, I was out prowling for wine. It was early in the morning. The sun had not fully risen past the facade of the mighty Roman Colosseum. Look, don't judge me. I needed some hair of the dog, so to speak. I'd really put away the wine the night before, and my little cat head pounded like a bass from a discotheque. I knew a slurp or seven, first thing in the morning, would knock the headache out with haste. I prowled the area around the Trevi Fountain. That area was always loaded with tourists, pickpockets, artists, and gypsies. I could always count on finding a discarded bottle of wine tipped over, bleeding out its soured swill between the cracks of the cobblestones. On that fateful morning, however, I hit Pater. I found an entire bowl of wine sitting out in the open. 
I should have questioned my good fortune. A bowl of wine set out by a restaurant late at night was normal, but a fresh bowl of wine sitting out at daybreak was almost unheard of. Espresso is the elixir of the morning hours. Had I not needed to wash away the cobwebs from the night before, I would have been suspect. Instead, I lapped it up. It was so good, too. Robust with tannins, giving it the perfect dry characteristics and impressive legs. There were notes of fig and tuna. I'd say it was vintage around the Tuscany region in 67, a very good year indeed. In fact, the vint was so perfect that I gulped down the entire bowl. Not only did I wipe out my feline headache, but I started to buzz anew. It had been a while since I drank the day after a long bender, and I embraced the warm, fuzzy feeling like it was my favorite cozy pillow. The euphoria escalated. My little cat head swam. My vision blurred in and out of focus. I stumbled in circles, unable to cease my movement. Right side up became upside down, and before I knew it, I hugged my cat body to the ground to help stop the world from spinning beneath me. Before the earth had a chance to stop, I blacked out. And that was the wild and wacky Frank Adler reading a sample chapter from his latest book, Cat Coin. The book is available right now, so click the link in the show notes for that book. And make sure you're following Frank as well on all of his social media. Check out his podcast right here on Project Entertainment Network, along with our other network, Pop Goes the Culture, and our sponsors, Ustoral and Scrivener. Don't forget to also hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when we come back with an all-new author, a new book, and a new sample chapter. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to see you again real soon. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.